0: hey everybody welcome to another episode of the vault i am anthony holden and i'm christopher epps and we are starting a new episode today and we are going to discuss a topic that is pretty close to the both of us i assume the death of the video store or to be Mm. specific the video rental store yeah man r.i.p yeah, R.I.P. for real. Before we start, man, what, what you drinking on over there?
1: Man, I got me some uh, Voodoo Ranger.
0: here. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hold it up so you can see it. I know. This is a podcast, I have seen so that before. So, um, I don't know. I never tried it before. How does it taste? Is it cool? Um,
1: it tastes terrible, bro. But see, the thing is, it gives you a nice buzz. Why'd you buzz. buy it? Because it gives you a nice buzz, right? So the alcohol content of this is what, 9%? Wine so... coolers give you a buzz, bro. Uh, no, see, but Lime Cool is only 5%, you know, like 54 or 6% at the most is what I've Fair seen. Fair enough. This, this, this gets the job done. You have one of these and you'll be straight. So it's worth it, man. You should try it. I mean, you know, if if you're into beers, you know, you definitely beers
0: aren't acquired taste and this is like... I'm a Corona guy. So I, I like beers. Okay. I don't okay, like cool. every beer, but um, Corona with Lime is... Just a perfect minimalist mix for me at any occasion. Like any are you occasion. A buzz-
1: are you a buzz chaser or are you more of somebody that likes, you know, the taste of things?
0: I would say I'm more of a buzz chaser. I, <laughs> I don't mind the taste, but you're not drinking it for the taste. Let's Definitely. keep it real. Unless you're <laughs> drinking hard cider or Mike's hard <laughs> lemonade. Yeah, you're drinking for the taste. But if you're drinking Corona light or Bud Light, or what have you, you're not drinking it for the taste.
1: Yeah. Then I'd say a voodoo ranger, it is intense, but it's worth the buzz.
0: Besides the people who run breweries, breweries, I, I don't know how to say that word, breweries. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. A person that runs a brewery. Um outside of those people who really drinks beer for the taste
1: man you have to be a, a cold person to do that because they actually have beers that don't have the alcohol content but it tastes like beer so like I, I apparently there's a niche out there of people that just enjoy the taste of beer without the alcohol content i feel like it's for people that are kind of you know trying to stay away from alcohol but man i had if a I'm friend. To stay away from alcohol I, i'd stay away from alcohol <laughs> i
0: had a friend who Well, he he drinks liquor now, but Mm -hmm. once upon a time, he just drank non-alcoholic beer to fit with the crew. You know, when he was out with us, he would he would drink non-alcoholic to like like fit in with us. And I'd be like, hey, man, if you don't drink, you ain't got to drink that. Or sometimes
1: just just grab a water, bro.
0: (laughs) Right. Or sometimes I would be the friend that would be like, hey, man, um, I'll get a water. I'll just get a water to make you feel (laughs) like you're not alone. But now he 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 does drink i was over his house before i moved and he was like hey you want a mike's heart lemonade hey you wanna i'm like God oh you, him to the, the, you, the you, Liddy you you litty now you
1: litty now you done turned him to my bad influence man
0: <laughs> i got a filmmaker story i'm going to tell you um a filmmaking story from college i feel kind of guilty about it even though i don't know if it's my fault but we'll save that for the film tip section um, death of the Video Store, man. What was your go-to video rental store growing up? Blockbuster, man. Same. That was the go-to. I flirted with Hollywood Video a little bit, just a little bit, but Blockbuster was the go-to. For me, it was Family Video. Family Video? Was the was, was number two. So I got into Family Video towards the end a little bit, like mm-hmm. towards the end of, um, well... Not necessarily towards the end, but at that age where I was, um, I was used to streaming. I was used to torrenting and stuff like that. That's when I kind of I would I would walk into a family video sometimes. And I think once I bought a Blu-ray or DVD that was on sale for a good price, because they had films on on sale for good prices. Mm. Like if you didn't want to rent them, you wanted to buy them instead. They had some they had some very nice clearance sales but i i caught on to them towards the end like yeah. uh, i want to say two or three years before they closed down unfortunately there was a video rental store that was by my college msu mm-hmm. called video to go i loved that place
1: mm-hmm.
0: i mainly loved that place because not only would they have great sales on dvds and blu-rays they had a whole criterion collection section here. And if you love Blu-rays or DVDs, you know what I mean by Criterion Collection. It's a type of DVD slash Blu-ray that has the highest quality transfer on physical release of certain films. So that sold me. The independent video rental stores I've always had a lot of respect for because they were fighting to stay alive so much in a market where they were outnumbered and soon to be totally dominated. So.
1: See, my thing is, like, those stores should have, they should have uh, tried to start
0: streaming or doing online rentals or something.
1: You know, I think Blockbuster did have an online rental system.
0: They did. They started online rentals. It didn't really go anywhere. From what I heard from the different types of research I've done by looking at different documentaries on YouTube, uh, that's, that's very prestige research that I've done,
1: <laughs> looking at
0: videos on my phone. Um, <laughs> I haven't watched the documentary on Netflix yet, I'll, the last blockbuster. I'll get to it. But from what I ascertained from all of that, it was basically they started the video. They started the online video rental thing, but then it was just something to do for them. Mm-hmm. It was just a, a, just a way to expand their market. They didn't really take it that seriously. From what I understand, and then we know the we know the classic story. Netflix wanted them to buy them. Netflix wanted Blockbuster to buy them out. Blockbuster declined. Said nope. And you know we we know the ultimate story of irony of what happened later. Netflix became it's dominant. Over. They became dominant in the streaming world. Actually, they more or less started the streaming world. If we're gonna be honest, you could say yeah. YouTube came before. But if we're talking about streaming streaming just specific movies just specific films yeah they yeah they were the blueprint on that i remember do you remember where you were well before we before we hand the baton to streaming um what's your what's one of your best memories of going to a blockbuster or video rental stores
1: dude um (laughs) so this is going to sound crazy because in in the moment i hated this but looking back it's like a, a a bittersweet memory um remember i went to a blockbuster this had to be been like one of the last few times that i went i think i was getting i was getting older and i think netflix was out and you know blockbuster was still around i was it was just the habit of going to blockbuster right mm-hmm. um so i'm going to blockbuster and i'm you know just looking for a movie i'm like okay you know i don't know what i want to get you know i just want to find something to watch tonight so i go in there and I had to have been about 16, 17, there was like these young girls in there, they were like maybe 14, 15 or whatever, maybe even younger, maybe 13, but like they were just like being loud, like just being so dang, I almost (laughs) made me cuss, so dang loud, man, and I remember just being like really annoyed, like, dog, you don't come into a blockbuster and just be this loud for no reason, like you're being really annoying.
0: Oh, you'd be surprised. So... <laughs> I used to go to a blockbuster off. I mean, I don't mean to still the story. I used to go to a blockbuster yeah. that was off uh, Seven Mile and Telegraph. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, you run into some loud characters. But go ahead. Yeah, so
1: so the, the 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 blockbuster I went to was in Gross Point on the east side, you know, of Detroit. They, mm-hmm. It's Gross Point, but you know, close enough to. You know, it was it was it was right off of uh, I forgot the street, but anyway, it's on the other side of Mac, which Uh which is where Gross Point is, and um, so yeah, so I go in there, and you know they're just being loud and stuff. I'm just like, yo, like I was having a pleasurable experience and looking for my movie, and now I just want to, you know, either tell them to get the f out or just (laughs) go get out myself. So I went, I got my (laughs) I got my movie, and um, I forgot what movie it was, but I think I got like two. And then I walked out and I remember I went home and I told my mom, I was like, this is crazy. Like there's these, these young girls and they're just like, just being ridiculous and stuff. And, you know, she just kind of laughed at me, but, you know, that's one of like, one of the last memories I have of Blockbuster, you know, it's just going in there. I think it was a Friday night too, man. And I was, um, I forgot if I was coming home from college or if I was just, it was one of my last years in high school or whatever, but just being really relaxed, you know, just going in there finding my movie, but just being annoyed. And so, but that's crazy that that's one of my last memories of Blockbuster.
0: Well, those women, those women must have left an impression on you. They, they left an impression I didn't even
1: on see you. them. I didn't even see them. I
0: just heard them. <laughs> well, their voices left an impression on you that today you're like, you know what? I'm glad I'm at home in my jammy jams, <laughs> watching this on TV from, uh, an iTunes rental or whatever, and I don't have to go into a store and actually physically rent the movie. No, I'm, I'm just playing. But um, I got, like, I think I have two. The first one, I was a little younger, so I want to say this is early 2000s. Do you remember a film with Chris O'Donnell and I think Renée Zellweger called The Bachelor?
1: Yeah. I, I didn't watch it, but I remember seeing, like, you know, the poster.
0: Yeah, the romantic comedy. So... yeah. My mom and dad, they rented that on VHS. This is back when VHS was still kind of a big deal. And DVD was like fairly new. So they rented that on VHS. Um, I watched it. I don't know if I ever finished the movie. But once I was done, I don't know what in my child brain told me this was a good idea. But I I took the movie and I put it in one of the drawers, Mm -hmm. like one of my parents' drawers. And I said, I'll just save that for later. They'll find it. (laughs) And uh, cut to three weeks later. I put out a drawer and I come up to my mom. I said, hey, you never returned this to Blockbuster. She said, where did you find that? I said, oh, I, in the drawer I put it in. She says, why would you put it in the drawer? Now we got late fees, we gotta pay. <laughs> and I, I didn't know what late fees were. I'm like, well, here's your movie. You're welcome for me finding it. And I just <laughs> walked away <laughs> and I'm the one that hit it. You know what I mean? Like Late fees were a big deal. I can't late speak fees on that. Late were a big deal, man. Yeah, I can't speak on now on the front end of things because I didn't own the membership, but I knew that they were a big deal. My second memory, I'm I was a big horror fanatic growing up, me and my cousin, you know, me and my cousin are like brother and sister. So we would watch Freddy Krueger together, all the Nightmare on Elm Street films, yeah. like from one up to New Nightmare. And then, you know, Freddy versus Jason came later. We were big horror fanatics. So at one point we were at Blockbusters during the afternoon. And I was um, I was telling my mom, hey, I- I've never seen Scream Two all the way before. Now they have it on DVD to rent. Can I rent it? And she's like, We we came here for this movie, you know, this newer movie that she had in her hand. And I was yeah. like, please. And she was like, Yeah, okay. And there's this great quote I love from the first scream. It's something Matthew Lillard said. I just scream out of nowhere, yeah. It's a screen, baby. And the whole <laughs> store just looks at me like, who is this little black kid getting hype over screen too? my mom kind of does the embarrassed, you know, yeah. like, like nervous mm-hmm. laugh. And my and my cousin just cracks up because she knows how much I love movies. But those are my two fondest memories of Blockbuster, like just that that whole vision, like when a movie was new and your parents were able to get it or you were able to get it, you felt special because new new films could run out quickly mm-hmm. like i'm sure when lord of the rings one first touchdown on dvd it probably was hard it was to, yeah it was gone i'm sure that was gone you know matrix reloaded i'm sure that was gone the first week when you got that red that red box that said two day rental on it you mm-hmm. felt special like oh this is a movie i gotta watch within two days in fact and not that i have to watch it i'm going to watch it in two days because i you, feel special
1: oh you, know, you know you're right oh my oh my goodness you just brought back a flood of memories man there you yeah, go you're, you're you're right man i remember seeing that two-day rentals sign i'm like i'll be like yo i got two days to watch this man i'm about to watch this and then you made it an event like you, you did you, you popped your popcorn you You got your food whatever it was that you ate while watching movies and then when you sat down and watch your movie you dimmed the lights like you made it just like a a a theater experience in your home oh you know what you made it it was such a novelty
0: you know what you made it you made it a blockbuster night like the slogan make it a blockbuster (laughs) night yeah that's what you made it
1: that is what you made it man
0: yeah man and you know the second yeah the second best thing to a two-day rental a seven day rental
1: mm-hmm.
0: for the films that were older that you could take up to seven days to watch. That was one of the best things ever. I'm like, I'm gonna watch Screen Two on Monday, watch it on Wednesday, two times on Thursday, and then take it back <laughs> by 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 Saturday or Sunday. Like that, I say one of the best things about a video store in comparison to the streaming world, which I know we're, uh, we're well we're we're running into right now as far as conversation goes. When you could, there was a bit of discovery in a video rental store. Yeah. You know, for someone like me who was a young cinephile, I, fe- I felt like a kid in a candy store. The only other yeah. store that gave me that feeling that wasn't a video rental store was maybe Circuit City, because they had mm-hmm. great deals on movies. But I never really got that from Best Buy or Target or Sam's Club when they had films on sale. Like Blockbuster mm-hmm. made me feel like a kid in the in a candy store, pretty much. Mm-hmm you would go there looking for one movie and depending on it if it was there or not you would get it or you wouldn't get it but then you would maybe peruse around the drama section and you say oh there's that obscure tony scott film from the late 90s that i never watched but i heard it was good there's spy game with brad pitt and robert redford i heard that's a good movie i never seen it maybe mm-hmm. i went to today it's only seven days it was a place of discovery Whereas now when you go on Netflix, and I love Netflix. So anybody out there who are streaming fanatics, we're not down in the streaming era. Things are actually better when we get to when we get down to it. Mm-hmm. But you just feel so overwhelmed with when you log on to a Netflix or to a yeah. Hulu.
1: You know, I I think it's that it's that physical experience of walking down aisles and having to pick up stuff and looking behind dvds or vhs's and finding just this random movie that you're just like what's this and you read and you read the back of it and you're like yo this looks like it might be good you know Mm -hmm. it's something about actually interacting with your environment as opposed to just using a remote and scrolling and finding something don't don't get me wrong there have been times where i've been scrolling netflix and i'm like you know i'll take a chance on this movie and I watch it and it's good, bad, or right in between, or whatever. And it's like, all right, cool. That was an mm-hmm. experience. But it's just something so different about walking into a, a place, walking into a store, and given, you know, the chance to ask the clerk, you know, at the counter, hey, what's a good movie? Or have you seen asking, this? Have you seen this? Or and you know, and them saying, Yeah, I've seen it, it's really good, or just not even doing that and just going on your own adventure um you know right right after you get some ice cream you know you just go right. to the movie store and you're eating ice cream as you're looking through the movies and movies store, and then the smell of the movie store as long as you went to a clean one the smell of it even it, it's, it's just a whole experience mm-hmm. um and you got the movies
0: playing on the monitors
1: yeah you know and it's just it's it's something that that we're lacking now it's everything is so just i'm gonna sit on my couch and i just put my hand up and click 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 um there isn't much interaction with that um i want to say this i want to say this but it's uh it might be a little bit a ways away but i feel like once virtual reality gains more steam you know we're gonna replicate a lot of the stuff that we've kind of been missing like I feel like when virtual reality really kicks off and it gets popular, it's gonna start putting back some of that stuff. So we're gonna feel like we're in a virtual, we're gonna be in a virtual world and doing, do stuff as if we are in a physical world. But that's, what the sad thing is, we're still gonna be on our couch though. You so, know what I see?
0: What? You know what I see? I don't see, Um, it feels like you're describing Wally. When all the, uh, have you seen that film? I've seen it. You know, when the people are like, you know, humans get real fat, sitting in their chairs, driving around, watching TV. I hope it doesn't become that. But I was saying, you know what I could see? I could see Netflix turn into a novelty thing Mm. and maybe opening up little video rental stores. Because, you know, they still Mm. have that thing where they mail the DVDs to you. Yeah, They could open up their own Netflix blockbusters. I could see them doing that, like, as a Mm. novelty kind of place, though. Like at like okay, let's let's open up a few stories in these hot spots, one in California, one in New York, see how they do. if they become popular, will'll we'll branch out to other states. and this will be for the people that don't prefer the streaming. Mm-hmm. This will be for the people that don't even like to use their, the red box. We mm-hmm. could we could try this out. When you look at a red box, I feel like that's that's the as far as major, that's the one major thing left is red boxes. Yeah,
1: red boxes are actually pretty cool too. When when red box mm-hmm. came in, I didn't really feel like it was that much different because I could still kind of explore, even though I was still behind a screen, I could explore the selection and find a random movie that I was like, oh, this looks like it might be, you know, interesting and offbeat. Um, so I didn't really mind that transition. I think the streaming transition is the biggest transition that we've had to go through and it's the one that we felt like those who grew up in the 90s and 80s 70s that's the biggest one that we felt you know Mm -hmm. it's just like it's completely different
0: i agree um one of the things i want to touch on i watched two documentaries that i wanted to mention on YouTube, one was called The Last Day for Videos. It was directed by Chad Campbell, and it dealt with the family video in Kalamazoo, Michigan, closing down. It was a very short film, under eight minutes, and it was interviewing the managers and how they were talking about, there was a community at Family Video. There was a community of people, everyday regulars, most of them kind of older, where they gained a relationship with them. You know, they 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 knew their names. They knew the kind of films they liked. And like you said, if somebody would come up to the table and say, hey, what do you think about this film? Should I rent this? They would mm-hmm. go, oh, you would love that. Get that. Or, nah, you're not going to like that movie. How about try mm-hmm. this? Here's one thing that really hit me. Um, well, I'll get to that later. Basically, the main reason they were declining, well, family video was closing stores in general, but we want to talk about the decline and mostly had to do with, you know, of course, COVID and they have Mm -hmm. an older fan, they have an older clientele. And so because of COVID, they didn't feel it was safe to come into the store Mm -hmm. and pre COVID. Yeah. They, you had a lot of older clientele that didn't know much about streaming, didn't know much about their internet or didn't have internet, but as they became accustomed to it, the more the less and less people came to family video and that led to the decline especially for that specific store and one thing that kind of hit me was that one of the managers um, before she started working there she started out as a customer at family video she says says look I don't have internet you know I don't have Netflix I don't have wi-fi like my kids they I get them films from here. That's kind of how I got a job here. I was a I was a regular customer and then applied. And I thought about that and I said, Wow, in this day and age, like you don't even have internet. Like mm. you don't even like have Netflix or no streaming whatsoever. But then I, I mm. felt with the second documentary I watched that was called Blockbusted, made in 2018. This is when there was a blockbuster in Anchorage out. Uh, Alaska. And in Alaska, internet costs a lot of money, like good internet, like internet, Mm -hmm. we feel like it's just, you know, solid, costs Mm -hmm. a lot there, like $100 a month. Um, Anything less than that, like you're limited. There's no, like there's data caps. Like we just now got introduced to no data caps. And that short film directed by Hayden Quinn, you know, there were a lot of people who were dependent on that blockbuster that eventually closed because they didn't have Wi-Fi. If they had Wi-Fi, they weren't going to waste on on a Netflix video because, again, they have data caps. So when you really think about it, this was... It was a win for most, but it was a lose for some to Mm -hmm. transfer over to the streaming world. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um. (laughs) Yeah, I I feel like the, the older you are or were in some cases um the harder it, it is to transition um but i mean but then again you have some old oh, some older people that are just transitioning just fine
0: you know yeah so it took my mom a minute but i got her together
1: yeah you know and i feel like the the, the younger you are the easier it is but i mean stuff moves at such a fast pace these days man like it does it's, it, you know, I mean, you got you got cameras that are becoming obsolete within two, three years, you know? Like, I mean, in, in the next five years, do you think your mirrorless camera is going to be valid? Like, I got my Sony A6300 right now, right? Mm-hmm. It shoots 4K, but only shoots 4K at 30 frames per second. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, we're entering an age where cameras shoot 4K, 60, some 120. So stuff is just moving really fast, you know, and it's just, um, where's the cap? Like, where, you know, I mean, we're literally in an age where movies, we're like in the industrial age of movies, where, you know, content is king. They're pumping them out more and more and more. And now we're trying to get something different. You know, what's crazy. And I'm sorry, I'm I'm going, I'm going, I'm kind of going on a rant here, but I just read an article today about Marvel and that, you know, how they shot the Eternals, like the the movie, The, the Eternals, they shot it on location and it was so different and looked so different that it actually became worthy of an article. Because Marvel actually shot something on location, when everything mm-hmm. you know most a lot, a lot of stuff is being shot with CGI. Mm-hmm. So like, that's crazy that something that is shot on location has become a big deal. <laughs> like, Right, <laughs>
0: like that that used to be the norm. Yeah, but now everything is CGI and shot on a sound stage, which yeah. can be convenient given the certain film. Like you would expect a Marvel film to be on a sound stage, but because it's shot on location. In an era where everything is like you said most things are cgi most things are on the sound stage like mm-hmm. it's funny how that's becoming like news yeah you know what i mean
1: and and even in the article they were saying like that was something that was a part of cinema is the fact that they went to locations
0: and shot stuff <laughs> like right. that
1: was that's a huge part of it
0: that's like um an article on zack snyder shooting on film when you know <laughs> not too long ago film was the norm you know what i mean yeah, like like, like there was a time where film was just as popular as shooting on digital now mm-hmm. you shoot on digital more than you do on film if ever um so yeah i understand what you're saying i understand like you would you would think um this wouldn't become news or you would think something like um hey we are now selling cameras where you can take a Polaroid out and shake the picture so <laughs> you get the picture but those actually do sell for quite a quite a bit now because they're so novelty you know yeah this generation doesn't even know what that kind of camera is ours right. does but <laughs> yeah
1: yeah so anyway i'm sorry i, I took stuff left field but now it's just no it,
0: it applies it applies yeah. because I try to put myself in a mind state when I turn on my Fire Stick or my Apple TV that I'm going into a virtual video rental store. Mm. <laughs> I try. I, I, it helps. It really does help. Because if I look at it that way, I don't get so overwhelmed. I look mm. at it like, okay, okay. I'll rent that later. I don't want to rent that right now. Let me rent that right there because I want to watch that film. And then once once the film is over, I kind of put it in my mind like, okay, I'm putting this back on the shelf. I'm returning it. Now it's time for me to go to another film. Like when I, when I process it like that in my mind, it kind of helps me. And it kind of seems like I'm with the wave instead of being overwhelmed by the wave and like having the water above my head. I feel like it's all about perspective because if I'm going to look at it, it's way more pros than cons. I'm going to miss the video rental store too. The kid in me is going to miss that. But if we're going to be legit here, and if we're going to be rational, it's way better to watch the new Black Widow film on your couch, in your jammy jams, with your family, instead of getting in the car, having to drive 30 minutes to the nearest theater, or let's say it's not even in theaters anymore, it's out on DVD, it's way better to watch it from the comfort of your own home than having to get in your car drive 30 minutes to the nearest blockbuster hollywood video or family video what have you to rent it and bring it back home because guess what you got to make that same trek to take it back when you're done with it
1: yeah but you know it's it's an adventure though
0: it's an adventure but in this day and age when you've been spoiled so much yeah and we've been spoiled. If, if yeah. you ask me, hey Anthony, for the same price, and we're not even we're not even talking gas money here. If you could rent this film from your house, from the comfort of your own home, for the same price as driving down to such and such and renting it on a physical Blu-ray, what would you choose to do? I'm like, I'm gonna stay at home because again, you're not counting gas money. You're not counting the the brunt of me having to, you know, <laughs> and this does sound like I'm lazy get my butt up, put on my clothes, get ready to interact with the world, get in the car and drive 30 minutes to get a movie and come back. Like, I totally understand. Honestly, it is an adventure, but it was an adventure in that time. And this time where you're spoiled, you're like, nah, B, I'm staying home. That's the reality <laughs> of it. You know, yeah. I, I hope I I hope I can go see Spiral before it ends up on on demand, but if it ends up on on demand before I go see it, hey, say la vie. I'm going to get it on on demand. Now, there are certain films like we like we spoke. I think this Tuesday my wife and I are going to go see A Quiet Place Part 2. That's the film I want to see in theaters. Is it out now? This week it comes out this week
1: yes okay cool i i'm I'm gonna try to make some time to see that because man i've been waiting on that one
0: everyone has that was supposed to come out like 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 that's supposed to be out by now but because of covid it got pushed way back
1: yeah yeah we 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 should have saw that last year
0: and in addition to that i might go see dune i'll see dune on the big screen because that's a science fiction film
1: That, that one looks dope too i don't know the backstory on it like I don't know where it came from i've never seen doom before
0: it's based off a book it's a classic book i'm actually in the middle of reading it um Is it's great. by it's really good like for a book that's like written in the 60s or 50s it's actually a really good novel it's a okay. it's a good science fiction novel it's long but it's good um so with that i'm going to see that on the big screen because that requires to be seen on the big screen But the whole point, I'm not trying to take this to theaters. I'm not trying to take it to that. But from what I'm saying is there was something to be learned from this whole pandemic. Like the fact that people were willing to rent from home, like to give their money to films to watch from home in contrast to going into the theater and risking their lives. Because technically we are still in a pandemic, correct?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. There's something to be learned from that um i
1: mean it's it's is ending but yeah technically we're at least here in michigan
0: yeah yeah we we we're, we're still in it a little bit it is ending but it leads to say hey is there going to be a shorter window between theaters and home video rentals like i i think that's something to be discussed as we go along cuz the main complaint you heard was hey it costs too much to go to the theaters I'm spending a hundred dollars to get a ticket in, in concessions, like that's that that's ridiculous. Whereas at home, I can spend one third of that to watch what I want to watch.
1: I mean, yeah, but see, I mean, I hear exactly what you're saying, and and you know, I'm 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 talking to all the people that you know did say that it was costing too much because even I was saying that it was you know starting to get to be a bit much. But at the same time, it's an experience, you know, and like. Mm-hmm. You know, the people often say the best place to spend your money is on experiences. So like, you know, when people saw Endgame or in, in, in Infinity War mm-hmm. and they saw it with all those people in the crowd and you got the crowd cheering and stuff as they see their favorite characters pop in to the movie and stuff and all that action, you can't beat that, man.
0: You can't. you can't that, was an, that. that yes. was an event. That was an event. I could tell I can tell stories about that night, man. Yes. My wife and I went at like I think we went at 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. Um uh the the night of the premiere. That was an event. Mm.
1: Yes. You can't beat that, bro.
0: <laughs> That's going to see a movie and Listen, I had to see that movie. You understand? I had to see that movie the night of because I had a concert to go to on Saturday night. And the last mm-hmm. thing I wanted to do was stand in the audience waiting for the opening act to come out and somebody pulls out a somebody throws out a spoiler. Like, mm-hmm. man, can you believe Iron Man? Like, right. And I hadn't seen the film yet. <laughs> I, I had anxiety, dude. That was yeah. the cinephile on me. I had to see that the night of. Even when mm-hmm. we went to go see it at 2 or 3 a.m., as people were coming out of the previous show, I made an effort to cover my ears, so <laughs> nobody said anything. As I was, as my wife and I were walking past them, and she's like, "You're being too paranoid." I'm like, "No." Ever since I heard that Star Wars story, <laughs> The Force Awakens, where somebody mm-hmm. let out a big spoiler to the people who were waiting in line, like, like, and they and they did it on purpose too to Dang. troll. Like they got beat up for that, man. Dang, it's serious. It's serious. Oh. <laughs> I don't think I would have been the one beating them up, but I wouldn't have stopped it either. You know what I mean? It's serious.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Yeah, but let's switch gears. Yeah, man. So you watched... You finally watched one of the Black films I recommended, and what did you watch? Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's been a long time coming.
1: Um, you know, I've, I've been busy, so I've I've, I've been finding it hard to watch something but i finally watched something today um Mm -hmm. and i watched new jack city
0: there we go there we go classic film what did you think it
1: was it was good it it was it was really good um uh nino that dude nino dog he um (laughs) That was a character. You know, he, he started off, you know, of course, he, he always start off as the wolf. He's just hungry, right? You're just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to build this empire. Mm-hmm. And he finally built his empire, man. And he let pride, he let pride get, get a hold of him.
0: Ruined mm-hmm. his
1: own empire. Got got too cocky.
0: When people ask me, well, people don't ask me, I tell them, like I'm some important person. When people ask me, <laughs> <laughs> when I tell people, the best role Wesley Snipes ever had, I, I mentioned two films, mm-hmm. Blade and New Jack City. These two films, mm-hmm. I label as Wesley's best performances, man. New Jack City was a great performance. Mm-hmm. He, played, uh, he played He played. A, a heck of a villain, man. I'm trying yeah. to watch my language. He played a heck of a villain, man. Nino Brown was that dude. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Like, here, here's where I think a turning point is in that film, where this whole time you you, you love to hate this guy. But the one moment where he really does cross the line, the wedding scene. The wedding scene. The wedding scene where um, oh, yeah. shots are being blown in him. He grabs that little Dog, girl. He
1: grabs the little girl. I was like, this little punk.
0: Yes. And do one I of the like best This scenes.
1: little punk, like, I, I, I I couldn't believe that you know he he, he did that in the film. I was like, you know, everybody else was you know, you know, holding themselves or you know hiding behind stuff and stuff. Right. And this dude just grabs a little girl. I'm like, bro, aren't you supposed to be the leader, the boss? Right. Like, if you're the leader or the boss, you 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 run into battle. You don't cower. Mm-hmm. You run into battle, man. You protect everything that you built. The people who built it with you. You had the 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 woman. I f- I forgot what what her name was, mm. but um, she she got shot right in that. And it was just like, so she gets shot multiple times and dies a bloody death. And you over here grabbing a little girl that don't make no sense, bro.
0: Yeah, yeah. There were a lot of great moments. A lot of great moments that really told Nino's character. And I love the moment where he's in the pool with Ice T while, while ice T is on the cover and he details this story about shooting this woman. We know it as the audience that he's talking about Ice T's mother. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's dawning on Ice T that I'm sitting across I'm sent across from the man that caused the whole trauma for me that that ruined my mother. I could blow my cover now, kill him. Or I can stay in character. And you see, and I, I'll give this as a testament to Ice T's acting. I don't think Ice T is a great, great actor, but he plays he plays this role very well. Yeah. For someone that made a song called Cop Killer and was so anti-bad police, like mm-hmm. he plays this role very well.
1: I think I I think that's because, you know, if if, if he hates the police, why well, mm-hmm. wouldn't you want to play a you know, a crooked cop and show how evil they can be. Why wouldn't you? You know he was
0: crooked? I don't think he was crooked. No, no,
1: no, no, no. No, no. I'm I'm not saying he was crooked.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well okay, well okay, you're right. He wasn't he wasn't a crooked cop,
0: but Yeah, he was a good cop.
1: Yeah, no, he he wasn't a, a crooked cop, but I don't know. That is kind of weird actually if you think about it. That is you kind know, of weird that he'll play a cop. But 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 maybe maybe he wants to play a good cop and show you know that you know you can be a good cop. Who knows? I don't know.
0: Right. You know what line of his was improv? I learned this from an interview he did with um a comedian unlike Ari Spears. You, you know what line he improved on set? Which one? I'ma shoot you so bad, my dick's hard. Oh he's <laughs> he made that up Duh. on set. <laughs>
1: when i heard that i was like i was like dog that that was that was okay but then at the same time i was like that's
0: the 90s you can't say that nowadays but you can say that in the 90s
1: (laughs) (laughs) at the same time i was just like i was like okay i
0: i get it but that's a weird way of saying it (laughs) i think i think when he's with the story he told, I think it was Mario Van Peebles um, who made it, or it was the writer, Barry Alexander Brown. Somebody, when he said that line, somebody said, what did you just say? And Ice-T repeated, they said, okay, say that again, roll, 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 action. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they stopped like, what did you just say?
0: Oh, man. Yeah, that's one of my favorite lines in the movie, man. Um, hey, <laughs> what did you think of Chris Rock as,
1: uh, as Pookie? Pookie. Pookie, dog. This man, this man got used to the entire film. Yeah, that was a, that was a sad existence, bro. I ain't gonna lie. I mean, in 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 the beginning, you know, it seemed like he had his stuff, you know, in 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 line, and then after after he got shot in the ankle, I guess he just resorted to just snorting that that rock, mm-hmm. and then, um, uh, and then you know he got he went to rehab. He got better iced tea, you know, put him in rehab, you know, helped him out. Mm-hmm. And then um he was doing good, but he was like a he was a snitch. Um which was isn't bad because he was taking down Nino Brown. But right, right, right. The entire time though, he was just getting used by both sides. And I'm just like I always see characters that play that kind of role. I'm just like, man, you know, of course, you know, it's not real life. And, you know, that film is in real life, but there are people out there that could use like that. And that's kind of sad. That's a a sad existence to me.
0: Yeah. I feel like Pokey was one of the, one of the first characters in contemporary film that you felt sad for that was a casualty of war.
1: Yeah. Yep, that's exactly in, in, in in an
0: urban film, you know what I mean? Like a casualty yeah. of war in an urban film. That was a, yeah, that was really, that was really a monumental role um, for Chris Rock and for that time too. That was a memorable role of his. Uh, this film from beginning to end has just, uh, an electrifying energy to it. Like the moment it starts when the Warner Brothers logo pops up and you hear that, you know, that music for the new Jackson Mm Tang, And then they cut right into Queen Latifah rapping. And then, dude, I know you love this, the zoom in on the bridge, where wesley slimes and his goons like holding that guy over the oh. bridge he's like i'll pay you i swear i'll
1: pay you dude. Like, dude okay man. i thought it was kind of over the top that his girl was just like yelling for that long and wasn't actually putting her hands on the. well i guess
0: she couldn't because he would have dropped him so right. i guess
1: it kind of makes sense but i think she was i, but was I think was he little... pushed
0: her at one point i he think she was kind of like beating on him but he pushed her at one point
1: yeah, uh, but I, th- I thought it was kind of ridiculous that they had her yelling for so long. I was like, okay, you can cut to, you know, what's supposed to happen here. Cause like, she's just yeah. yelling in the background It's just like, <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but I get it. It was a nineties, you know, a totally different style of filmmaking was, you know, what was happening back then. So I get it, but yeah. What would you give it out of 10? Dude, the first number that pops in my head is in pops into my head as a nine but I always if I had okay here's this if I had seen it back then it probably would have been a nine but because I'm watching it today I give it an eight
0: um, this is a film that with this ending message it preached the dangers of of crack cocaine yeah. like like literally the message that i believe scrolls up with the credits yep.
1: at the end yeah
0: right just as much as boys in the hood you know preached you know increasing the peace in the hood um do you feel like this film for its time do you feel like it achieved do you feel like it worked for people who watched it who were kind of on the verge of selling crack or doing crack or being involved in the crack game whatever do you feel like a film like this would have worked
1: um, you know what, to that I'll say, um, I think what, what would have worked the most was the court scene at the end when Wesley Snipes was on trial and he was like, yo, this isn't my fault. This is America's fault. The mm-hmm. politicians, the the cartels, all of those factors, like this is their fault because What I did was the American way. I found my niche and profited off of it, whether it's good or bad. And you see America doing this every single day. Look at the opioid crisis. You don't see nobody, you know, getting, you know, on, on trial for that. But yet, you know, we got, you know, a lot of people addicted to it. And the difference is people that were doing crack got locked up. Now people that were on opioids, they're getting cared for. So it's just like you know, um, uh, to me that's that's bs for <laughs> a talk like that's that sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that message, what they talked about on that court scene was more important. Oh, and to add to that, the um the prosecutor. Um, she was saying you know that that would be all fine and dandy wesley if or Nino you know, if America was on trial but America is not on trial it's mm-hmm. just like you well know, maybe America should be on trial that, this was me watching it maybe America should be on trial mm-hmm. for these crimes I felt like that spoke more volumes than the ending you know sentence or paragraph or whatever however they worked in conjunction so, I think the way that it ended, that whole ending sequence was great. Um, And I think it definitely got the message across. And I wasn't expecting them to even have that message on there because it was such a dirty and grimy film Uh that I didn't expect them to even try to put consciousness into it. But they did, which is actually pretty
0: remarkable.
1: Um, So I I have to applaud at that.
0: Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I would put that ending up there with. I don't know if you've seen this film. but Have you seen a film called Blind Spotting? No. With the V Digs from Hamilton. Nope. The light skinned dude with the with the braids. Um, that film has a very interesting climax scene where a character confronts a cop, and he confronts the cop in verse form. Like Mm -hmm. he's rapping to the cop. The cop is guilty of police brutality. Mm -hmm. He's guilty of doing something he should not have done. And the young man is rapping to him, kind of having a fierce, tense moment. And it's a great moment. And I feel like I put that ending up there with that and the ending of Boys in the Hood. You know, of course, where Ricky gets shot, but also with, you know, the message of increase the peace. Yeah. Yeah. I like it when the film transcends itself and actually gives us thesis statement like, okay, I've showed you the down and the dirty and the bad. This is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with, with, all, with all of this I've shown you, it's like you're putting the audience on trial. Like, okay, from all of that, I'm giving you this, this final message kind of why I love Do the Right Thing so much. Um, but to switch gears here, I actually have a film tip for you. What's up? I have a film tip for you and the viewers, well, the listeners. Um, honor the sacrifices that your actors will sometimes make for art. I feel like, I, mean, I got with that, I have to tell a story. Like, I was shooting this short film in college for this um, production team I was part of. We, we, were, we, were a product, we were a show that was part of this large like channel of shows that, that were MSU productions. Anyway, there was a scene I shot with this actor where his face, the side of his face was in frame, and he had to take a, a drag on a cigarette and blow it out, and that was the end of the scene. Mm-hmm. Only problem was he didn't smoke, never smoked a day in his life. So we were kind of on on set like, oh, we, we got any fake cigarettes and everyone's like, no, I got these real cigs right here. And I'm like, I wasn't the director. I was the writer of the thing. I think mm. I was the co-writer or the writer. One of them. I think I was the co-writer. And they're like, and what, one of the actresses is like, no, don't make him smoke that because he might become addicted. And we're mm. like, he's not going to become addicted. He doesn't smoke. The actor was at first, he was a little reluctant, but he's like, Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do it. So he takes the real cigarette, takes a drag, and blows out smoke in the frame. We got the scene. Cool. We moved on to other scenes and other days where we shot other things. But the way I think about it is that I don't know if we honored his sacrifice as well as we should have, because that was a big thing. I don't know. I don't know where the guy is today. I don't know if he still smokes. <laughs> I don't know if he's taking nicotine gum now or if it was just yeah. a one-off thing, but it was a huge deal. For a college-level production, he was willing to take his first drag of a cigarette for the sake of film, for the mm-hmm. sake of art. I feel like you should honor your actors' sacrifices. You should honor the sacrifices they make for your work. It, it's all teamwork production, but I feel like... Honor needs to be there as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Honor and transparency. What do you What do you have to add to that from your experience?
1: Um, I would say definitely, definitely honor the sacrifices your actors bring to your film because I did a a mental health film. It was called Trista, and this girl who actually was depressed or had been through depression you know which is what the film was about also um she started my film and so she had to kind of go back to that depressed place Uh and um you know this was one of those films where probably should have had a psychologist or something on set um but i just didn't have the means to do it you know um Uh so we just went through this film and I told her, I was just like, yo, if it ever gets too real for you, if it ever becomes too serious, just let me know and we will, you know, stop. I mean, I had her do scenes where she had to cry. I had her do, you know, scenes where she was tormented by depression, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, there was never a moment, you know? Oh, and I also had her do scenes where she had to, drink i mean I, we, we obviously just put water in mm-hmm. the glasses or whatever but still all of it was geared towards depression so um i had i i told her multiple times coached her like yo go back into those depressed moments which was hard to say because it's just like okay i'm having you go back to these depressed moments and you know you could go back so far into these depressed moments to where you become suicidal So Mm -hmm. I double, triple, quadruple checked with her and made sure, like, yo, are you fine with this? And, you know, she said she was fine every single time. So I had to respect the fact that she was able to go back into those moments from her past and Mm -hmm. bring those alive in the film, which under normal circumstances... You, you could get slapped for asking somebody to do that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I agree with you 100%, and that's something that I feel deeply. I mean, even um, with films I have planned that deal with, like, more spiritual things, you know, um, when you ask your actors to do certain things that are considered evil or you do certain things, you know, to where your actors have to step into a role that is you know if you believe in the spiritual world could leave them open to being oppressed by spirits and things like that mm-hmm. like you got to be careful man like that stuff that stuff can really affect somebody and affect their path in life just like he look at what happened to heath ledger you know what i'm saying this man mm-hmm. was you know asked to play a crazy man and he took it too far.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's serious. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, I agree with that. Method method acting can be a little dangerous. Again, I'm not speaking from firsthand experience as a director because I'm more on the writing side of things. But I feel like when you immerse yourself too much into a role, that can cause problems with you in your personal life, yeah. because you're just making this film for a moment. You know, mm-hmm. this is a moment in your lifetime, not your lifetime in a moment. Mm-hmm. You still have family to go home to, whether it be your wife, your your mother, your kids, whoever. You have to separate yourself from the art. When the, when the camera's on and you hear action, sure, go for it. When it's off, I, you know, I understand that an actor may need time to kind of calm down, Mm-hmm. but still you can't take your work home with you nothing good comes of that yeah um, or you can't take then, the frustration of your work home with you
1: yeah and then at the, at the at the end of the day I think we all have to understand that we're all human you know and um, that because we're human sometimes things can just not go the way that we, that, that we planned them to go um, and we make mistakes. So, you know, I would strongly advise, even though I didn't really do it on my set, um, which I should have, and I, you know, going forward, I will, um, mm-hmm. if you're asking a character to play some type of character that has a mental health issue or some type of character that is going through some kind of spiritual battle or something, just have the proper person there. If they're going through a spiritual batter, uh, a spiritual battle, have a spiritual guidance teacher, or you know, if they're going through some some type of mental health uh, uh, character. Have a psychologist. Have a therapist. Something. <laughs> or, I you know, agree. Allow them to have breaks. Something, man. Just you know, he, you gotta be aware of their I- mental state.
0: I agree. We learn lessons on those days. I learned that for a scene like that, it always is best to have fake cigarettes on hand. You mm-hmm. learn that it is best to have a psychologist or someone to soothe your actor down when they mm-hmm. are acting out scenes that could cause an emotional or mental relapse of past trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, you learn lessons from that. You learn how to deal with difficult situations or difficult scenes that were or an actor having difficulty doing a certain type of scene
1: yeah yeah all right y'all wait hold on i gotta add one more thing i mean okay you think about you think about you know a sex scene or worse than worse than that a rape scene you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying you know you got i forgot what the stats are but like was it one or is it two out of but five women or six women have been, you know, raped or touched in an inappropriate way or whatever, you know, against their will. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you got a lot of rape scenes and stuff in movies, too, where that could send somebody into a dark place, you know? So, um, yeah, you just got to be careful with that kind of stuff.
0: I agree. I agree. You do need to be careful and responsibility needs to be a virtue. I guess that's the main lesson we're trying to, to make here. Responsibility is a virtue as a filmmaker and as a storyteller.
1: Yeah.
0: But, all right, folks. Um, my name is Anthony. My name is Chris. You can uh, like, share, and subscribe this show. And thank you for tuning in to The vote. See ya. Absolutely. Peace.